Hey everyone, and welcome to the Creative Journal Podcast. I know it's been a bit of a break. I haven't done a podcast in a little while, and I've been busy working on film projects and traveling a ton, and I just found myself too busy to really put in a good effort on these podcast episodes, and I I want to deliver something of value every episode I do, so I just want to make sure that I'm into it. And uh, yeah, I took a little break uh, near the end of last year, I'm hoping to get back on track with the podcast this year, 2018, and maybe focusing a bit more niche on the creative process for filmmakers, photographers, writers, and whatever, artists of all sorts, essentially. But yeah, focusing more on kind of the process of creating and why why we create. Yeah, so I'm looking to bring the podcast back. If you have any suggestions for guests, please let me know. Uh, you can... Uh, basically email me my details are in the itunes description uh and if you enjoy the podcast please remember to rate it because a five-star rating does go a long way anyways in this episode we have vincent urban he is an insanely talented filmmaker uh one of my favorites actually you can find his work on vimeo Uh, just look up vincent urban on vimeo and i recommend checking out his japan video it's got 2.8 million views and it's such a cool look at Japan and on top of that just an amazing film all around. In this episode we talk about uh, how he does his sound design, how he kind of approaches each film project before he goes on it and what his life is like constantly traveling around the world. Uh, yeah so we'll get right into it. Uh, 2018 let's go this is the Creative Journal podcast with Vincent Urban. Vincent, thanks so much for joining us today. I've been a fan of your work for a while now, following you on Vimeo and watching your channel constantly grow and your work progress as well. Um, For people that haven't seen your work, can you kind of give us a rundown on who you are and what you do? So, well, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Um, My videos are basically just some sort of uh, travel videos, funny, fast-cut travel videos about um, trips I I did with my friends. Um, That's what I did for the past few years. Now I'm doing a bit more of commercial work, um, but in the same vein, I do work for um, some tourism agencies or other brands that are involved with tourism um, and doing these kinds of films, which are really hard to describe, I would say, just by words. Totally. I agree. <laughs> I think you, yeah, you really have to watch it. I'm always trying. It's it's just a very fast-paced music video style um, form of film that also has a lot of audio effects on it. Yeah. Uh, which are kind of popular on Vimeo yeah. right now. The, the interesting stuff with the part... I like about your work is quick cuts are very popular now right I mean you see them you see those crazy transitions that everyone's doing because everyone has ADD and no one has time to watch a video so what I respect about your work is you've managed to keep a timeless element to your work it's not you're not really doing crazy transitions everything seems to be kind of like in camera and uh, not over the top which I really enjoy Uh, yeah I also think for me, it was the other way around. I did this kind of work because I grew up making snowboarding films. And basically what happened there was um, me and my friend who started this company, this snowboarding film company, was our riders or our athletes weren't the best um, in comparison to other bigger productions. So we had to kind of find a, another way how to make our films attractive. So we yeah. were more working for showing the fun aspect of it and cutting to the music and it that, that got quite popular um, the way we did it and I kind of just translated that to traveling films at some point yeah and um, so these kind of techniques and what we did this this did in close music was always already part of my work before these crazy transition hyperlapse things came into um, Popularity. into fashion yeah. popularity into fashion um, and then I adapted more of it but it's not like 
it's not like one of the a lot of people on Vimeo right now are just looking at these films that me or Alessandra are doing and then just trying to copy the the techniques yeah without really thinking about why these transitions would make sense okay. it's more of a tech show off um yeah. oftentimes and i'm i'm trying to avoid that i mean i'm i'm sure i feel fall prey prey to it yeah every once in a while that it's a little bit too much a fact um but i'm i'm also really trying to make to only use use this if it makes sense yeah um to to be pacing in a way that sometimes you have your very quiet moments and then it just rushes into with 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 a crazy transition um but i can't really tell you <laughs> why or when that transition makes sense it's yeah. a, it's a it's a total gut feeling thing yeah i was going to ask do you have a background in music at all because it seems it seems like you would you, you have such a good or you're so great at timing things and pacing the piece and not overwhelming the audience so i i i played guitar my whole life but on a very amateur um level yeah but i i do have an a definitely an understanding for music um and i think that is as an editor probably the most important thing to have yeah. um and not just in this typical sense that you know where your bars are and where where to put any highlights but also just going with the with the actual emotion of of what's going on in the song mm -hmm. It's not that you always have to edit on on a certain beat um, because that's kind of simple. You just have to look at the yeah. waveform, yeah. but know when to pick up the pace and 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 slow it down. But I can't say that uh, this is a something I do. Um, how to say it? Like deliberately? Um, what? Yeah, think it's not really. I'm thinking about it. It yeah. just so happens but I, I i think a a music background certainly helps a yeah. lot and then and then just practice and practice and practice right like keep making stuff realize what what's working what's not working that is i mean that's probably the most common question that i get from people on facebook or whatever like asking me for their help or how they could improve their their work and i'm just saying like i've done this for a very, very long time now. And it was never that I could look up on some YouTube tutorial that just kind of explains how this is done. It is, I mean, I made so many shitty films in my life um, and you learn by them. Yeah, like yeah, you totally agree. Works. And I think one of the things you, you can really only learn by that and which I always made the mistakes in my early life is just getting rid of all the shots that are really bad in the beginning you're like oh i love this because it has it was such to a, me yeah yeah it yeah. has to me but it's getting an object objective view on what is actually good yeah, yeah. is really hard yes i totally and get agree your own something that. Yeah. i feel like a lot of people are missing is realizing how much uh, a viewer is giving up by watching your video and you owe them something you're taking their time it's the most precious thing and people think they can put out a 12-minute video and just expect people to watch that and that that's fair and people should come watch it when it's really the other way, way around I think people go out of their way to not see your shit you know like I don't think people want to see your films like you have to give them something to value and respect their time Uh, but oh yeah, okay. Sorry. Here you yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's very interesting. I've never heard it phrased in that kind of way, but um, <laughs> I I would certainly agree. It's always it's always on my mind. Yes, it's always like, does anybody really want to see this shit? Um, is that really interesting for someone who does not know me or know any of my friends or? Uh, know anything about the particularities of the trip you should never expect anybody to read the description of your video the title of your video any anything like that they should be knowing 
they should only be watching this film yeah. and every cut especially in the beginning should be deliberate should make the whole thing interesting and then they will probably stick around to the end yeah but uh, there's no easy formula no exactly <laughs> but that's what makes it fun right <laughs> It is. Uh, no, I mean, especially the the whole editing process is is so much fun. Yeah, you uh, seem to me more of an editor than a filmer, right? In terms of what you enjoy. I yeah, certainly. I yeah. mean, it was my job too. Through this whole traveling period, when I started um, the travels in two thousand and nine up to let's say two thousand fifteen, my job was a commercial editor. I did all kinds of edits for um, other directors in the commercial world. This is how I basically got my money okay. and then saved it up to do these private trips. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was always my day job. Yeah. So, so, so back in 2009, you were working as a commercial editor and how, how did that work? Would people send you the footage that they shot and kind of give you a description of what they wanted? No. Um, so 2009 basically was the year when I stopped doing the whole snowboarding thing. Uh, just basically almost from one day to the next, just said like, no more. Yeah, so if we can touch, and, on, sorry, just touch on the snowboarding quickly, you created this group with your friends, correct? And you started releasing films just for people that don't know. Okay, uh, so yeah. Basically what we had, well, we were, I think 17, 18, around that time, we had a gr group of friends, my very best friends, and we started this snowboarding crew. I mean, what people do, like skaters, surfers, yeah. they're like, hey, we're a crew now, and we're going to film each other. But everybody filmed each other. It was not that this was my thing in the beginning, but uh, I quickly realized that everybody else was a lot better in snowboarding than I was. Um, so... It was more and more my thing to to be filming, yeah. and also I was kind of the nerd of the group, so I was the only one that has a had a computer background. So when it came to the editing part, um, I had I just started editing something, and it was really fun for me. So and after we did the first film, just with us as as friends, we got quite a nice reception in the in the German scene. So we just decided to keep on going, and after. Two, three years, we started collecting sponsors and getting better writers, um, better athletes for our snowboarding films. And I think by 2004, we had the company. And for five years, that was basically my job. Yeah. Um, and in 2009, it kept on going. Um, the company is called Eason 7. It kept on going for a little while um, with my friend Alex Schiller, who... Um, kept the brand alive but I was out and when I was back in Munich that time I already had a lot of contacts to these companies like Red Bull, Burton, Oakley, whatsoever. They they worked with me in the snowboarding field so I had an easy entry into the, the, the working area so and they would sometimes just send me footage as you said yeah, um, and then I would edit something but um, that year I also started actual commercial editing where I'm uh, get invited from some director and then you actually like sit with them in a in an editing suite and 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 it's not that you just get some footage from someone randomly <laughs> and just do whatever you want it's calculated that's it is it's more calculated and is a more a lot more oversight I mean there's a productions and agencies involved and but this is what I um, then did for the next few years um, commercial editing uh, which is fun yeah um, it's nice and uh, I think after really after the Japan clip which was in 2015 it started off that I got my own that I got more and more requests to do my own film as a uh, own films as a director. Yeah, and um, I guess since then I'm doing more work like that and getting to edit less and less. Yeah, which unfortunately makes you happy or sad. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's a it's a mixed bag. Yeah, um, 
I mean, I, 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 I work with someone, my uh, good friend Max Neumeyer, who is um, who basically started as an intern maybe five or six years ago with me. And I worked with him ever since. And he's kind of doing the same editing now as I do because okay. we always... So um, it works quite well. I have yeah. someone I can trust yeah, and, and don't key. just give it away. Um, but I, I, I look forward to... to Every time I, I do a, a long period of just filming, I'm looking forward to having my time back in the dungeon yeah. and yeah. just I think they editing. fit each other pretty well. I'd say I'm the same. I, I enjoy editing more, but it's important for me to get out there and shoot because I don't want to be locked inside all day. <laughs> I want to yeah. see some stuff. But uh, So those travels that you started in 2009, what prompted that? And you were on some pretty pretty huge trips, right? Yeah. So my best friends who, uh, or best friend who I basically know from birth and I did everything with him my whole life, but he was never really um, that involved in the whole snowboarding thing. So once I got out, um, it was pretty cool that we were saying like, hey, let's do something cool again together. And he's more of a, he's not at all into this filming thing, but he's it's more like the MacGyver type that okay. just builds stuff and very handy like a backcountry engineer kind of thing builds yeah so cars. he he bought himself a land rover defender okay and customized the whole thing to be kind of a travel vehicle as well with like a roof tent and a whole setup um, of of a shelving system inside with our own little kitchen so that was pretty cool and we were just sitting in his kitchen um one evening with a with some maps and try to decide where we wanted to go. So I think one of the first ones on the list was China actually. Yeah. But then we found out it's really complicated to go there with your own car. They're a little particular about the whole subject. Yeah. And then we decided on Southeast Asia. It was quite the learning curve because no one, none of us knew like how to ship a car around the world. I, yeah. I don't know how you'd even <laughs> find that out. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of forums um from these crazy like world travelers that yeah. you know are basically eight years with their whole family just yeah. traveling the world and, so where and were there's you some, shipping it from uh we're shipping it from hamburg or the first one was from bremen i think bremen yeah. um to to kuala lumpur in okay. Malaysia. Yeah. And and the intention of this trip was you had did you have any thought as to what you were going to shoot and how big it was going to be or just purely fun? Not at all. It, it was purely fun. I just we, we just wanted to have a really good time and just travel around. Of course, I was thinking of bringing my camera. Yeah. And then uh, my other good friend, who's also a filmmaker, Clemens Krüger, um, joined the trip after a while. He um, for the first month he was not with us. But he also brought his camera, and we filmed a little bit. And I, I made that mistake that we talked about earlier um, for this first trip. That I was like, okay, I'm making this as a travel diary of what we did okay. together. So a lot of different episodes of every week, yeah. And then a little bit of information what we actually did on these trips. But it was just, I. It's too much footage and too personal. Are these uh, the videos that are up in your Vimeo, though? Like the, the In Asia series, yeah, it's called. Because, well, yeah. the funny thing, which I did say that earlier, but, I mean, those did work out for you, right? And I think people were willing to stick around on videos longer back then, maybe, but they did work, and they're, they're still awesome. They are, and they're a good memory for me, but it, it, they're nothing in comparison to what, what? we did Okay, and we it did a little bit more of a deliberate attempt because we knew that people liked what we did in Asia with the films, mm -hmm. but it was more of a okay. This time we really think about filming. We really think about what kind of shots we want to get. And I made the decision that we just for a four month total time yeah. just make a five minute video, yeah. which kind of forces you obviously to be a lot more selective yeah. on what you're showing um, instead of what we did in Asia with like five minutes in total five videos. So that's a, 
a long time, so you yeah. have a lot of stuff in there that's mediocre at best. Yeah. And the South America one was more condensed. It was easier to watch for people. It was not that personal, um, although still a little bit. But that just really kicked the whole thing off, and and people were really excited about it. And that was was motivating us to keep on doing this, and which also opened a lot of doors for us, like to um, other travel travel agencies, like inviting us to go somewhere to make sure. these films, and um, so. I mean, if the, if someone is looking for any kind of advice on how to um, do that, I can only say condense your films. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. And from there, you shifted into that format of more condensed films. And then you went on, as you mentioned, to shoot the Japan video. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, definitely check it out on Vimeo. It's just look up Japan, Vincent Urban. And it's what, 2.8 million views on Vimeo? Right now, I guess so. Yeah, insane. That's the equivalent of one billion views on YouTube, uh, using the conversion rate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that kind of condensed version. What was the shoot in Japan? What did your days look like? And what was the thinking around that trip before you went? It, was it more deliberate than your? No, your not at all. That yeah. was uh, actually a very spontaneous one. Um, a friend of mine. Um, Alex Schiller, who was actually the one that I started the whole snowboarding company with. Okay. Um, he was just really in need of a little break from everything and yeah. just said, hey, he wants to do this trip in a couple of weeks to Japan. He really wants to travel Japan without the snowboarding because we've been there before yeah. for yeah. snowboarding reasons, but never really. And he's a big fan. And he just said, hey, do you want to join in this? And then we ask another friend who's also involved in the whole snowboarding um, thing, Alex Tank is his name. And he also said, like, yeah, I have some free time. So very spontaneous. We didn't really think about anything. We got a rail pass, which is really nice. It's something like the what you can do in Europe as well, where you just buy one ticket for the oh, for the cool. train. For, That's a great for, idea. For um, two weeks. And then you or three we did actually. And then, then you just can freely travel around the country. And the Japan rail system is, is amazing, so you can basically go everywhere with that. The um, thing is, uh, we, all were, we all have a camera. We all like to film, so we brought it, and it got a little bit more deliberate once we were there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, I usually, when I go on these travels, I'm a bit nerdy anyways, and I'm trying to find out like what places, where to go, and do my little maps, and yeah, and, yeah. and and plan everything out. And everyone was kind of involved. So we, we did like get up really early in the morning to like avoid crowds or have better light. So yeah. it wasn't, wasn't just fun, but we we're also like going out and drinking and just having a good time. So it is not, is really a mixture and it was never intended to be a any kind of commercial success film or whatever but i also had the the, the luck that i went to japan for something commercial afterwards again okay. and filmed a little bit there as well so i could even gather some more footage oh, for okay. this film. so it's a little bit of mixture of everything which is um which which helped yeah but it's still there, there was never any intention it was just a private project um for a fun trip that we had and i we had a very very good time i can only recommend going to japan to everyone um, yeah i went through the first time first time last yeah. year actually uh stayed in tokyo for new year's for a few days and then went up to the north island to go skiing it's it's a crazy place and it's so different yeah it's just so interesting yeah. but on a i mean sometimes weird level as well but most of the time just on a very enjoyable um, level, I think I, I I don't know anything any other place in the world that is just so different, but at the same time still welcoming. Yeah, it's very welcoming, very organized, and surprisingly peaceful. I'm not a big city person. Yeah. I wouldn't say. I mean, I live up in Whistler. I live in the mountains, and I I found Japan to be actually pretty calming, which is was surprised me for 13 million people or however many live there. Yeah, it's not. It's I mean, it can be stressful. Uh, a while with all those like voices around you i don't know if you notice this is always everything talks to you in the constant in, elevator music throughout the whole uh, yeah. city it's so funny yeah i think that 
there's that one cut in my film that a lot of people pointed out, um, which is where the music totally stops and you just hear this music yeah. within a 7-Eleven store. And it's that. such a... Everyone who went to Japan, I think, knows what this cut is about. Yes, yeah. Because you're entering these little corner stores, 7-Elevens, most, most of the time. And there's this cheesy elevator music inside and just these weird noises all the time. It, it is a very Japanese experience. But <laughs> So let's talk about that cut. Uh, did you have the idea for that while you were there? Because you would have probably needed to intentionally shoot that shot of you kind of walking through that little convenience store. It's no. absolutely non-intentional, really? and I did not. I did not um, do the shot. Alex um, took the shot. Alex Schiller, okay. and his. Uh, no, we never uh, intended this to be uh, in the film or whatever. But I mean, after we took the shot, we looked at it and we were just bursting out laughing. It was it was wonderful, and yeah. I knew that I had to do something with it, but. Yeah. It, it took, uh, I mean, I only edited all this stuff like a year later. So it was okay. not, it, it, rarely anything in this Japan film was planned oh, no, out yeah. that, that way. So, for example, there's a, there's a long hyperlapse through these red gates. Yes, yeah. That was like at five in the morning. Um, the other two guys were just coming back from karaoke without even sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to be up there before there's masses of tourists at this place in yeah. Kyoto. So oh, yeah. um, we wanted to be up there as the first guys, but we, we, we did not have any plan whatsoever. Okay. And so at some point I was just like, okay, I know this is going to be a lot of red gates. I don't know what to do here, but well, I might just start a hyperlapse. No idea where this is going. Yeah. And then I didn't even know how long it's going to be. So yeah. I just started basically and 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 went through with it after an hour i was just like fuck i hope i really hope this is this this ends at some point yeah and it ended up being such an important shot in the video yeah and and yeah i mean but honestly there was no thought behind it and even when i was at the ending i'm like okay i'm just gonna film like how my feet are walking out of this as well just maybe i can put it put it together i didn't even know if that would work or or not i never did anything like that before but yeah it worked so so with this running gun style that you have and i would say i i kind of i'm more on that side as well where i i don't like to plan because i shoot a lot of adventure stuff surfing whatever and there's no point in making a storyboard because who knows maybe we won't be able to land the plane on the beach because it's too foggy or something like that so i just i like to run with it and then uh kind of work on the story in post-production but now that you're doing more commercial directing uh, personally, how do you translate that running gun style when a huge company comes to you and they're like, "Oh, we want the Vincent Urban effect," uh, but you need to send us a storyboard before? Do you struggle with that? Um, I did a bit in the beginning. Um, they're not really requesting a storyboard, um, but they do want to have a shot list um, because I mean. There's a whole team behind you, and you need to plan something. You need to plan where are the people going in the morning, what are they all doing, what kind of equipment are we bringing. So there must be some kind of, some sort of plan yeah. to be had. So um, at le- the least I, I, I always do is the location and a general thing that we're doing there. For the most of the Lufthansa films, it was a, it was a decent shot shot list like okay. a lot of these things were planned out the plan that we're going diving and these kind of these kind of shots were there yeah and they were thought of um um ahead of it and it's also i realize it's and i will do some of it in the future um because it just it just helps you to 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 be a little bit more organized about what what you actually want to get um okay. but it's not very detailed it's it doesn't say like hey wide opening shot of this to close shot of uh, this guy doing it's not it's not a storyboard in that sense it, yeah. it just more 
pictures and then some comments of what we want to achieve there. And while we're to still have the effect, to still make sure we are able to do the same kind of editing, um, we usually have a lot of cameras on okay. that set then. And um, so we have the ability to cut in, in, in a variety of angles. And maybe there's always one camera that just sits somewhere, does a time lapse, and yeah. then there's a camera that does this, and uh, one camera does a lot of crazy movements, one camera is very straight, um, most of the time the main camera. So I just make to, uh, try to make sure to, to, to gather a lot so we can still achieve the, the dynamic editing, but at the same time plan in a way that a client and an agency can actually see that we're we are set up for success i yeah, think yeah you, you know you know what their end goal is you know what they're trying to sell you're not just out to make yeah you're going to hit the points that they need to hit um and i would also imagine back in the day you had four months to travel around and shoot these things and now you're working with uh really in-demand people you're shooting with Chris Burkhardt he probably only has like a day and a half to go shoot with you so that is that why you need the multiple cameras to try and get more shots yeah and and you just need to uh be accepting of the fact that uh, sleep is not the most important part in your life anymore <laughs> and it's very long days and um, sometimes even especially the film that we shot in Mexico at some point we had multiple crews basically, and we just because we only had one and a half days of good weather. Wow! So at that time, we we're just sending everyone in different directions in yeah. the city, and just like, hey, collect, 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 yeah. uh, because we don't have the luxury of for a month of traveling anymore. Yeah, as you say, and you need to be ready to make the most out of it, and yeah. also add some stuff that. Um, that you can always have on the side. I mean, we, we shot some some more abstract details for these films as well. Yeah. Um, some studio stuff. And, yeah, I noticed and, that in the uh, Mexico video, I assumed kind of the, the beans and stuff, the different ingredients being thrown around, I assumed you would yeah. have done that afterwards. We did it afterwards, yeah, just yeah. In, a, in a somewhat studio setting and in Hamburg and... Yeah just to, f to fill things up and, 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 and be sure you have enough interesting footage to go with it. Also with these kind of films, I mean, we're trying to tell a story, so you can't just like run around and film a city yeah. and expect to have all the footage that you need to tell this particular kind of story. Yeah. Um, I like both. I mean, I, I, I didn't think I would enjoy this kind of work that much as well, but I'm very much looking forward to some kind of a longer travel experience on my own again or with yeah. my friends um i didn't have that for quite some time yeah yeah it'll feel good when you work. finally get it and uh yeah so for people that don't know what we're referring to when we're talking about the mexico video we're talking about the life-changing places campaign uh, that you just did and can you run us through how you got that campaign and uh, what the experience was like shooting that um it was, I think the campaign was out in the commercial industry for a while. Like they were looking for a, a lot of directors and um, I don't know. I, I don't know the whole story behind it, but the client was never really happy. They wanted something else, something fresh. And okay. um, I guess last minute, one of the production, one of production company from Hamburg um, came up with the idea to throw me in the race and... Um, it really just took a couple of days, like from my from the first call, like, hey, would you be interested in that? Um, five, six days later, it was like, all right, you're going to be working for two months on this project all over the world. And I'm like, oh, oh, OK, fine. <laughs> um, this, is, this is very exciting, but also, I mean, it's a big, big project and I was quite humbled I'd yeah. say yeah. and and uh, and a little scared as well to just like um like can I do this like do I do I actually know what I'm doing here what were the main things you took away uh if you look kind of what you were thinking going into it and then what you learned 
coming out of it. That it's it's it, it it's a tough job. It's um, it's different than making these films than what 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 we are doing. Yeah. Um, mostly because there's just so many more people involved that have some sort of opinion on how this should be. And um, but once you learn to deal with that, that did you, you did, this is a team effort now. You have to work with a lot of people. Then that's fine. And I think um, as long as you have the confidence that um, that you know how your film should look like, yeah, um, people generally really trust you and give you the give you the freedom to to do whatever you want. And I was surprised by that. Like in a I, I sometimes also have the feeling, oh, maybe I have to do this and then they destroy my film because it should look a totally different way. But um, it, it was not like that. Um, they really gave, gave me a lot of freedom. And I think a, a very positive takeaway is also that when you feel this pressure all the time, um, it it also kind of motivates you to move to the next level step, yeah. go to the next level and step it up a little um, other than hey we already have this nice time lapse let's go home yeah. like it's it's always like what else could we do to make this a little bit more special um, and that's a good takeaway um, yeah. but it is uh, usually those travel films are a lot more fun um, yes. yeah. I would not say that um, I mean I enjoyed my time in these places but I, I would not say that my time in Mexico City, for example, was any sort of holiday. Yes, yeah. No, that's that's totally gone. Like back then, when we did these travel films, there's fun, there's going out, there's uh, a good time, and 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 enjoying the culture and the country. In this line of work, not so no. much. In, no, 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 no. So after an experience like that, where I know what you mean, it, it was. It wasn't the same as your travel films, but you're not complaining. You you enjoyed the experience of making the films, but do you do you feel like you still have kind of a fire to go travel personally, or are you a little bit burnt out uh, from all the travel? It, it's a bit of a sacrifice constantly traveling the world. Um, yeah, it totally is, and it, it sometimes sounds stupid for other people, but yes. yeah, I, yeah, I sometimes really. Uh, tell my friends that like I'm really fed up with being on in airplanes and I don't want to do this anymore I just want to stay at one place for a little while yeah um, and I do have that feeling now especially because I I just recently like spent more time here in New York and yeah I, I I'm enjoying that I can actually be here and not leave every every other week yeah. um, but I do have the the I do have that urge to do my own travels again um, in the future. Um, it, I want to do all these things that are a little bit different or more difficult and not like these tourists, at maybe no more Southeast Asia, but something more <laughs> along the lines of whatever Greenland or something. Yeah, where it's yeah. These kind of things I want to do, but I also want to do it with some of my best friends again. Sure. And they're a little bit held up by um, their recent family family devo- developments. Yeah, I guess people are growing up, eh? <laughs> yeah. People are growing up, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the time will come back. Um, yeah. Right now, I think I'm more focusing on these smaller trips and kind of developing my filmmaking a little bit um, in different ways. Um, I don't want to be doing for the rest of my life just little music-driven travel films that's sure. not i mean that that's cool and that's fun but that that shouldn't be everything yeah so um, the uh there's one video of yours i really like the uh the story of a solar fridge and is that kind of the direction you're looking to head so and if could you kind of give a brief description of that video sorry can you uh repeat the question you were just breaking up oh sorry yeah the story of a solar fridge uh the that's on your Vimeo for people to check out. It's a great story. I was just wondering if you could give a description of that video, and I was wondering if that is kind of the way you're looking to head with your films, because I know that had a pretty big impact. Yeah, so 
I, uh, one of the guys in a marketing of an NGO called Medair uh, is apparently a big fan of my traveling work and is also um, kind of like getting into filmmaking himself a little bit. And he really randomly called me up um, and said, hey, would you ever be interested doing something with an NGO? And then he... I I thought about it and was like, yeah, okay. And um, they invited me to go to Lebanon, close to the Syrian border, to do something with um, the refugees who were pouring in from from the war. And that was a just a quick idea. There was nothing planned about that film, really. So I was just going there with a friend of mine for four days and documenting the life there. And uh, but the the NGO really liked the work that we did there, and um, so they decided to invite me again um, for a more thoroughly planned um, project, which was in Congo, where they do a lot of work to help uh, ensure medical conditions for the um, people who live in very remote places there. So one of the stories was that um, they need. A lot of these villages need fridges for um, to keep the vaccines cold. I mean, the vac- just bringing the vaccines there doesn't do much because they yeah. just, with all the heat, they just grow bad. So <laughs> we basically said we're going to document the whole process of getting that fridge into that very remote village because... The process is crazy. You, the way you have to drive there, the roads, the conditions, and then carrying it through the jungle yeah. is a, one of the hardest filming experiences I ever had. I mean, A, because I was just alone. I, as I'm the cameraman, I'm oh, trying yeah, to do everything. everything and, yeah. and when those people run around the jungle um, carrying a fridge and you said, hey, please wait. Um, can we do that scene again? No one's listening to you. So you have to, um, you have to document everything while it's happening. There's no retakes or anything like that. Um, that's challenging. And obviously the food situation, I got very fat, bad food poisoning, the, the heats, um, and the general safety, I guess too. Hey, hearing some of the stories in that video. That is it's a very humbling experience. Yeah. After all the other travels that you did and feel like a great explorer. Yeah. Um, because you're driving with a car through Thailand. Um, that that's different. If you, if you get to a camp and they tell you to, to, to seal your windows with the, with the lead bars, um, before you go to sleep because there could be random fi- gunfire at night is, is very different. And you see guns and military around you all the time. So it's, it's hard. Uh, but you also surprisingly get used to it quite quickly. It's not that you're out there and, and be scared every, every minute of the day. I mean, you wouldn't be functioning otherwise. Like, okay, that, this is my situation now and I'm going to deal with it. But there was no, there was no real dangerous situation we ran into. So that, um, that was good, but yeah, I, I mean, back to the original question. This is certainly I want to do do um, more, but I guess it will always be some kind of a side yeah. endeavor because these kind of things are are important, but yeah. they will probably not pay your rent. Yeah, um, yeah. At the end of the day, um, I, I I really wish to do more like that, and maybe my own projects as well for something that's dear to my heart, but um, certainly not the main, um, my, my main objective. Yeah, so how do you see your work evolving uh, or even kind of your life evolving? As you said, you don't really want to be doing the same travel videos for the rest of your life. So do you know yet or are you just kind of taking it month by month, year by year? Yeah, I'm taking it as, a, as, as, as it comes I mean, I always change my mind so many times and then I have a great different idea because I, I hear some kind of song that is very inspiring to do something very particular that I haven't thought of before. Yeah. 
or a job comes along that um, requires me to do something really different. I mean, the Mexico City film, I'm coming back to this one because it was very challenging for me in, on so many levels, it is about food. I, I don't like making films about food whatsoever. Yeah. I, I'm not a food person. I, when I heard the script, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna struggle with this one. <laughs> But it's fun. I mean, yeah. it's a challenge. Like, and sometimes someone just presents you with a challenge and say, "Hey, all right, I'll try to tackle this, and maybe it's fun." And there's other times when I'm doing a film and I'm like, "I, I did not like that experience whatsoever." Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll try try and see what what's what's coming up. But I really don't want to do traveling alone. I think everything will always be in that general sphere of inspired by the world inspired by the by culture inspired by people yeah um a uh, thing and maybe a little bit narrative as well but more on the documentary side just inspired by what's actually happening out there that's um that's that's it's still a very broad concept so yeah, i could yeah, imagine yeah. doing <laughs> doing doing many many different things yeah. um i don't but as i said i, I just don't want to be the tourist filmmaker that's um not 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 what i want to do the rest of my life yeah um yeah I'll, i have a few more questions that i want to touch on before i let you go but uh sure yeah we talked about sound at the start but we were focusing mostly on kind of soundtrack i want to talk about your sound design uh just you seem like a pro at it uh, i messaged you a while ago about it and you you seemed super chill about it though it's like you just kind of figured it out on your own um, how did you get better at sound design and sound effects? Uh, honestly, really just learning by doing. There's no, nothing that I learned that I looked up. Um, it was more, I think the first time really in the South America video okay. where I tried, um, where I really wanted to go with this very, with the song, which is very quiet in the beginning and doesn't really have a rhythm whatsoever. And then I realized like, okay, if I use this and I don't add anything else, yeah, it sounds empty. It's there's, and my thinking was always, if I want to translate the experience that somebody has in Patagonia, sound is a must because the wind, you don't see the wind that much on film and it's, for me, my memory of Patagonia is wind all the time in annoying ways, in, in good ways too, but most of the time in really annoying ways. Yeah. Just trying to sleep there with the tent flapping right next to your head all the time. It is such a strong experience that is hard to translate for other people. And I always thought, okay, if I, sound will be a really good vehicle to show that. So choosing a song that is not over, overwhelming, where you can actually hear the sound. But then I realized most of the sound that we recorded was horrible. I mean, if it's very strong wind, you know, it's just like, it will sound terrible exactly. in the camp. Yeah. So I went out of my way and like, try to find sound effects and like, oh, well, this is nice. And then while you're looking for sound effects, you find other nice sound effects and like, oh, this is good. I could start, use this. And then it kind of evolved when like, Hey, this is that th that makes sense if I'm doing this in this transition, even if it's just a weird wind sound that doesn't have anything to do with wind or what what's going on in the in the in the picture, but it just sounds cool as a transitional element. And I'm like, oh, I could use it. It was really playing around and learning um, what works. So sometimes I have like seven seven audio tracks just for one transition because you it's like a mixing process you one sound never really works most of the time so you just put on many many layers and yeah. all of a sudden something really cool comes it out it starts to sound oh, more full right if you have a yeah. shot of kind of a night sky it's like okay we'll throw in a light wind that on its own it's super unrealistic when do you just yeah. get wind okay let's throw in some crickets let's throw in a different wind noise as well and then you start to create this world right roll Oh, you were just breaking up yeah, again. Yeah, sorry, I lost you for a second there. Yeah. yeah, but also, like on the, I think especially the Japan one was one of the craziest ones where I 
I just wanted this techie kind of feel. So it's, there's a lot of typewriters, office sounds, everything like a copying machine. And then you just layer that over each other. One of the most used sounds is an umbrella opening. Really? In the Japan video. Huh. That's like on so many different um, points, but also always mixed up with something else. And yeah. it's just as yeah things which they they don't relate to anything that no. you see but it just makes sense in the um for the transition so yeah it's just a lot of fun i i would say is, yeah. um for someone who enjoys editing but um, never really played around with the sound aspect of it i can only highly recommend playing around it's just so much fun and you you never really expect what's coming up and it's like oh i'll try this one over this one and like ooh. That yeah. sounds funny. And sometimes even those sounds just give you an inspiration of what kind of shot you could use yeah, as the next yeah. one. No, I actually have you to thank for that. I like <laughs> seriously started watching your work maybe like eight months ago and I've been paying so much more attention to my sound and been getting a really good response with it. I think it throws people into your work way more. Uh, than well, I'm glad I, yeah, so glad I had a little influence there. Yeah, and then uh, one more question. Uh, basically, the gear that you use and kind of how you view gear uh, is how important is it to you? I'm I, I'm a nerd on so many levels in what, when it comes to editing. Uh, when it comes to gear, not much whatsoever. Okay. Um, I usually prefer to have one camera with a zoom lens um, that maybe has a um, ND. ND fader, so I can work with most light conditions okay. and most. Th th that's what I like to be as as to have as, as simple as as possible setup. But most of the time, when I work for when I work with Clemens, um, especially or if I'm working in any kind of um, professional environment, there's a lot more nerding going on about what camera, what lenses, all these kind of things. But most of the time, I, I, I have someone on my team that thinks more about this aspect. I think my work is more specialized on where are we going, what are we doing, which angles, and, and how to set up these scenes. I'm not really into the whole what shutter speed what I mean I know all these things but yeah. I'm not I'm just generally not that um, interested and the, all these drone things that are coming up I mean I always have people who love this yeah and who are nerding out about it and I'm glad that I have these people around me exactly um, right because and then maybe they don't care about sound design at all or editing yeah. and that's where you come in so that again yeah. going back to the team aspect of creating it's super important right it is, and I think honestly, I I I, I don't say uh, a gear is not important or whatever. I see so many travel videos where people just use a GoPro. No, no, um, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. So um, you should you should definitely think about what kind of lenses or what kind of framings, and and you should think about what you're doing there. And uh, just using an iPhone camera or a GoPro is not a solution. Um, I'm just saying there is a lot more or a lot there's people around me or in in general in this industry who I'm way more concerned about the technical details yeah. um, than I am usually I I'm just hoping that everything works correctly and works fast yeah I'm not a big fan of uh, red cameras for example because I just don't like how long it takes to turn them on yeah in a traveling environment it's just shots will be will be gone by the time this thing just <laughs> I was trying to explain to a friend who isn't really into film they're asking why I like to shoot on kind of like A7S2s and GH5s why not get a red or do I want to get a red and the best explanation I could come up with I'm not sure if you agree is I think the GH5 A7S2s kind of get my work up to like a 90% maybe even higher like 93% level it, they'll work in 93% of the conditions that I shoot in. And then the red will cover that other 7%, right? And to me, what I lose 
in carrying that around. <laughs> what I lose in carrying around that red camera is not worth that extra 7% of conditions that I can shoot in. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, there are always moments when all the A7S footage that we shoot in, it, when we're in, in grading, then some somebody most of the time the colorist says like, oh, this is horrible, yeah. like the dynamic yeah. range, it does, I can't really work with this. And all the Alexa footage, for example, is like, oh yeah, that's fine. Because it's just, I, these are the moments where you really know like, okay, there's some, some grain in the blacks and you kind of fucked it up there a little bit. And then if you, if, if you want to maximize this because it's going out to a cinema, then you realize, ah, Okay, I see. Yeah. Um, there's cameras which are doing a better job, um, and you. But for most of the internet purposes, um, GH4, oh, GH5, and A7S are doing a spectacular job. And I would always, always have an A7S on set, even if we're shooting with Alexa, because it's just so much more light sensitive. Yeah. And if you're working mostly with natural light, um, even Alexa or Red cannot handle. The, the night vision aspects of the Sony A7S. So I, I always want one of these around me. Also, I think in traveling, in documentary work in general, a smaller camera alters the situation that you're in a lot less. You're not, yes. you're, you could be any kind of tourists and not like, not everybody is, is stopping what they're doing and looking at your big ass camera. And and is intimidated by it. So I think for travelers, it's 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 very good to have a small device that doesn't look like a spaceship. Totally um, agree. I was just that, in Hawaii. Uh, we did yes. this crazy long hike and ended up with this really strange hippie commune. And I wanted to make a film about it. And if I had had a massive camera, there's no way they would have been comfortable because they're completely off the grid. Uh, yeah. But I just had my tiny little setup and. It, it just looked like I was kind of, I didn't really yeah. know what I was doing, which was helpful. I think the best, the, the, the best mixture really is some of the scenes for the Lufthansa film, for example. I mean, some of the scenes are set up. We're alone somewhere in a, in a controlled environment. A big camera that does really good pictures is, is, is wonderful. That, that's what you need. And then there's other times when we're running around the city just to get random shots. And then, like, we, we're not even... We, we have the big camera, but we're not even bringing it. Yeah. So it's, for whatever, for whatever you're trying to do, um, it's a big different answer to the question, but most of the times, I totally agree with you, you can do 90% of the job with these cameras yeah. and don't need anything else. Yeah. And um, I love them. I, I personally love them. I, I'm never trying to film with an Alexa. I, I have no idea what, what <laughs> buttons to press. So uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's a pretty good time to be a creator right now. There's lots of lots of tools and resources out there. So there's really no excuse. Yeah, especially for drones as well. Like the drone uh, development in the past few years is so amazing. You do, actually don't have to do anything anymore. It seems like with the Mavic, you just throw it out in the air and just flies on its own. Well, the new one's the size of an iPhone as well, so yeah. you can pretty much put it in your pocket and take it anywhere. And they're decent, I mean, not really good quality, but decent enough. Yeah, I mean, well, you'd you only the do Mavic Pro for, wide shots. for some of yeah. your recent work, right? And it looked, it looked amazing. I'm sure you had some good coloring. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, for most of the last videos, it was just a Mavic now, yeah. so. That's very encouraging. All right, well, I've taken enough of your time on this Monday. I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, where do you want people to come? I'm playing tennis you? now. You're going to play tennis? Yeah. Isn't it cold in New York? Or you, I guess you guys have a lot of indoor tennis. No, it, 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 indoor, yeah. All right, well, you got to, you got to come up to Whistler. I got into tennis two years ago, and I'm getting pretty good, so we can have a little match out oh. here. Very, very nice. Once I visit Whistler, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to train a little bit more because I haven't been getting good yet. All right, we'll give you some time. You, we can meet up in eight months or so. Nice. Sweet. So uh, I guess best place to find you for those listening is Vimeo. Uh, I, I just lost you again. Oh, sorry. We're back now. I think. Uh,
Yeah, but I didn't hear what you were saying. Oh, sorry. I was just asking uh, uh, where you want people to find you for those that kind of want to dive into your work. Best place to check you out online? Uh, best place is just really my Vimeo page. I didn't manage to have any other website yet. I have a Facebook page as well, but it's uh, vimeo.com, Vincent Urban. Um, all videos that I really like are up there to find, and um, you don't need any more information than that. Then just see the videos if you're interested. Sounds good. All right, well, it's the perfect time to wrap it up as we're losing video quality <laughs> right now and audio quality. But yeah, thanks so much for your time, man, and I'll be in touch soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, again, if you're able to go, leave it a rating on iTunes. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. You probably don't have time. That's okay. Uh, if you want to check out some of my films, I'm on Vimeo as Ryan J. Harris. And I'm also on YouTube as Ryan J. Harris. So you can find me there or in the podcast description on iTunes. Again, thanks so much for listening. Feel free to send any comments my way. And have a great day. See ya.